I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I've said that hundreds and hundreds of times, but do I really mean it? That is our pledge, right? That is our pledge to our country. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all, but is it really? Black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter, but are all lives treated equally? That's the question I wanna talk about today because racism is alive and well in America. If you didn't know that, I don't know where you've been. Racism is alive and well in Burleson, Texas. Racism exists at First Baptist Burleson. No doubt because we're made up of people, we all come at this issue differently. And so we, you know, we have a choice. We can bury our head in the sand. We can say, well, that's for another part that doesn't exist here. That's not me. I don't deal with that personally. Or we can face it and just at least begin to talk about it. So I want to talk about that this morning because I think that the reality of this leads to the next question is, what can I do about it? What can I do about it? What can I do about racism that exists in my culture. We're here to make Burleson a better place for everyone, right? That means Asians, African-Americans, whomever God brings into Burleson, we're here to make sure their lives are better because we're here. We're committed to this. And so it really starts with that question, okay, how do I face this issue personally? And that's a great question for you to ask. And then coming to some result, and then what can I do about it that exists here in my area. I wanted you to see the video. That's just a snippet of the interview that I had with Russell and Quina. Uh, the whole thing will be on our social media. It's about 10 minutes long. Um, and if you're online today, you can, there's a link that's going to be posted. You can click on that and watch it after the sermon. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but it's, it's interesting because in my, in my statements with him, I just said, hey, look, I'm a white guy. I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but I'm a white guy. I'm a really white guy, right? I used to have blonde hair before it turned gray, but so just that whole thing, I don't, I don't understand what Russell and Quina feel about this situation. So how am I going to know? How am I going to know fully what I can do if I don't talk to someone who's different than me? And so we began that conversation and we love these guys to death and they're a huge part of who we are uh, and great friends. But that's where we have to start to ask that question, what can I do? And then understanding some different perspectives. So I want to go to a story this morning. It's Peter and Cornelius. And it's really the beginning of their relationship, all orchestrated by God. Now, Peter is a Jew, right? Follower of Jesus, Jew to the core. Cornelius is a Gentile, a Roman centurion of the Italian guard. So he is major Gentile, major Roman. So there's great prejudice among these two people just automatically. They don't know each other until now, but just knowing, thinking about one another, that would create great feelings of prejudice. So I want to look at that story to, to really answer the question, according to the Bible, what can I do about racism? So if you have your Bible, look at Acts chapter 10, 
We're going to look at verse 17 through 33 first, but just a little background here. Cornelius, this Roman centurion guard, was a believer in God. He was a God-fearing man, and his family believed in God. So one day, Cornelius gets a vision, and the vision is you need to send for Peter, who is staying in Joppa right now, and you need to bring him to your house. So Cornelius sends three men to go find Peter in Joppa. As those men are making their journey, it was about 31 miles between the two towns. So as they're making their journey, God puts Peter into a visionary trance as he's waiting for lunch, waiting for time to eat. And so in this vision, Peter sees a blanket. You probably remember this story. A blanket comes down from heaven. There's all these four-footed animals, reptiles on it, what a Jewish person would consider unclean. And God says to Peter in this vision, eat, kill and eat whatever you want, which for a hunter is awesome to hear, right? But for Peter, it's like, I can't do that. These are all unclean animals. And then God says, do not call unclean what I have determined to be clean. This happens three times that God says this to Peter in this vision. And then suddenly there's a knock on the door and the people come up and say, Peter, hey, there's three men here that want to meet with you. And so that's where we pick up the story. Acts chapter 10, verse 17. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men in the house as his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up. He said, I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you're well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask you why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. What can I do about racism? The first thing we can do is listen. They first listen to God. God spoke to Cornelius, and God spoke to Peter. He arranged this whole meeting, and they were listening, and they were obedient. There are a lot of opinions about racism. There are a lot of opinions in this room about racism. And we can listen to opinions all day long, but what really matters is what does God say about it? 
If we are truly people of God, people of the word, that's our question. What does God say about it? Not what I feel about it, not what others are saying about it, not what's popular, not what culture's saying. What does God say? So that's the first thing we need to do is listen to God. Now, God gave Peter this vision three times in Joppa. Three was an important number for Peter, right? He denied knowing Jesus three times. God asked him, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Peter, three was important to Peter. He finds him in Joppa. Now, Joppa may be familiar to some of you who have ever studied the book of Jonah. That's where Jonah fled before he was gonna get on a boat to Tarshish. So we see another person who dealt with prejudice here in Joppa. Peter's dealing with it. Jonah dealt with it because he didn't like the Ninevites. I don't know something about Joppa, but this is where we see him, right? So he goes, and now he gets to the house and in verse 28 he says, I want you to understand the law says this is not right for me to do. Would you take that in the cultural context, even in our culture today, there's this overwhelming thought of you just need to stay with your own kind. Whether it's marriage or association or social life, you just need to stick with your people. You stay with your own kind and don't mix cultures, ethnicities, don't cross those lines. That's a part, at least a segment of our culture promotes that idea. But what does God say? If you look at churches in America, the majority of churches, it's where we see great segregation. We have black churches, we have white churches, we have Chinese churches, we have Taiwanese churches. In the church context, we've segregated one another. It hasn't always been that way. One of the big reasons that there are black churches today is because white people didn't want them in their church. It didn't start out that way. There was an understanding of we are all made in the image of God. We are all here to connect and relate to one another. But over time, culture and history has caused, in many cases, a separation. The Bible talks a lot about favoritism. Again, the word racism is not specifically mentioned in the Bible, but favoritism is really a synonym for racism in Scripture. James chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. If, however, you show favoritism, you commit sin. Favoritism, racism, is sin according to the Word of God. The only way we're going to be able to root out racism in our context or in our country is if first we ask God to make sure he roots it out of our own mind and heart. This is where the battle starts. That we've got to come to grips and be honest about how we feel about it right now. And again, ask God, if there's anything in my life that offends you, I want it removed. If this is a struggle for you, if you judge people on the color of their skin, that is sin. You need to deal openly and honestly with God, repent and confess of it so that he can remove it. One of the things I do, I like to listen to famous speeches and study famous speakers. YouTube's made that incredibly easy. For one reason, it's interesting to me, but another, it's, hopefully it helps me hone my craft. You may not think that's working, but that's still my plan to try, right? So one of the people I love to, to watch is Martin Luther King Jr. 
his I have a dream speech is, I mean, I can't watch it without getting chills. It's truly amazing. And there are a couple, and I've seen it 20 times. There are a couple of lines that really stick out to me. He says, I have a dream that our nation will live up to its creeds, that all people, all men, all people are created equal. That is what our country is based on, but we know it's not viewed that way by all. Then he makes a statement. He says, I have a dream that my four children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but rather by the content of their character. Focusing on character, not skin color. Well, that dream has not been realized in our country, but it's still an important dream. They listen to God, but they listen to each other. What we are called to be is bridge builders. And we need God's help to turn barriers into bridges. I mean, he can turn bones into armies, seas into highways, graves into gardens, right? We need to ask him to turn barriers. And there are barriers but to turn those into bridges so that we might be bridge builders across denominational lines, across skin color lines, across ethnic lines, race lines. We are called by God to build bridges, not destroy them. And it takes God's help. But in order to do this, it's going to take more than a tweet. And if you do tweet or post, please do it from a positive platform. Don't go off on Facebook. Makes you look like an idiot. I know you've never done that, so I'm not talking to you. But what we really need to at least start with a conversation. We need to start having conversations about this issue. We need to start building relationships, friendships with people who don't look like us, people of different color, different backgrounds. James 1.9 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I think in our country, we've lost the ability to debate. We've lost the ability to have dialogue. It's so adversarial. It's all about choosing a side and defending your side rather than listening to the other side. So many of the ills in our society would be healed if we would just sit down at the same table and listen. It's true about this issue as well. Look at verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. We can listen and we can learn. This past week, uh, there's a group in our area called Burleson Ministerial Alliance. And we were meeting over at Billy's place. In fact, Billy was there. And we were just in a discussion about racism, just what can we do as Christians? What can we do as churches? How can we educate our people? How can we stand against injustice? And, and we had some black pastors there and just hearing their viewpoint. Uh, in fact, uh, one of them was Charles Dorsett, who used to be a member here. And I don't know when this happened, but Burleson helped him plant a church somewhere in the area. 
And so I got to visit with him, and it was great to get to know him. But he asked a very provocative question as he was talking about his perspective of racism. He said, how many of you right now would be willing to change places with a black person? And it was silent just like this. And I've thought about that since he made that statement. How many of you right now in our culture, in our context, would be willing to change places with a black person, be even interested in doing that in order to see racism from their standpoint? Now, he didn't ask us to raise our hands, but it's a very thought-provoking question. Based on what you know that's happening in the area of racism right now, would you be willing to be on the other side? Well, we're not going to be black people, but we can definitely stand for any kind of injustice that's going on in our world, whether it's race-related, economic-related, whatever it might be. But in order for Peter to learn from Cornelius, he had to unlearn some things. There were some things embedded in Jewish culture that were wrong. I mean, he grew up hearing that Israelites were God's favorite among all nations. His society had taken the law to say it is unlawful to spend any time with a Gentile or to even touch a Gentile. There are some things culturally that we need to unlearn that are not true in order to be able to learn what is true. I've heard things like, okay, you know the story of Cain and Abel where Cain killed Abel and God cursed Cain and sent him away. And Cain said, well, I need to make sure nobody kills me. If they find out what I've done, they're going to kill me. So God gave him a mark. I heard people say, that's when God made black people. <laughs> no, no, it's not. We don't know what the mark was, but that wasn't it. Or people will quote 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Some translations say, do not be unequally yoked. Do not be unequally married. Well, that means you can't mix races. The Bible says you can't mix races. No, that's not what it says at all. It says believers should not be married to unbelievers. That's what's being unequally yoked. But society has taken even Scripture and twisted it to support their own agenda. That's why you have to know what the Word of God says. Not what people tell you it says, but know it for yourself. So what do we need to learn? Well, first of all, you guys know that Jesus was a Jew, right? He wasn't blonde hair, blue-eyed like I've seen in some paintings, which is weird, unless he had like dye or something, but he didn't. They didn't have that, right? Jesus was a Jew, which means he was not a white guy. But we need to learn that we are created in the image of God. The Bible does talk about slavery, but it never condones it. It was just a reality of the culture. The scripture is written to the culture. We need to learn how to respond to other races. Galatians 2, 11 through 12, when Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. So here's, here's Peter hanging out with Gentiles, being all cool about it, until some other Jews show up. And then he acts like, oh, I don't know these people. He's a hypocrite. So Paul gets in his face about it. Hey, dude, be consistent, man. To which Peter ends up doing. He ends up being a speaker for the Gentiles. We need to learn that we're all made in the image of God. 
We may think differently, come differently, approach differently, live differently, like different things, but we're all made in the image of God. Every person has value. Yes, all lives matter, but are all lives treated equally? No. My family lived in an area that we were in a minority. Ethnically, we were in the minority. And, and there were times that we felt others were preferred over us, but we never feared for our life. We never sensed any kind of loss because we were white. So I can't fully relate to all this understanding of what, what a black person feels in America, what a black person in Burleson feels like right now. But the way I can at least get an understanding is to talk to them, to get to know them. I love this statement by Anne Lamott. You can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. Again, it's so easy for us to justify. Look at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believer who had come from Peter were astonished that the gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. So they were still dealing with prejudice. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. I can listen, I can learn, and I can love. Peter demonstrated love to these Gentiles that he was raised to hate. And he showed love to them. He saw the Holy Spirit land. He saw that they had Christ just like he had Christ. He saw that they followed God just like he followed God. The Holy Spirit lived in them. And ethnic tensions were very high in Israel in those days, just kind of like they are now. There was great tension, great prejudice. So here's Peter. Just think about this for a minute. And Peter, he's well-known. He's a high-up guy. He's got some authority. He walks 31 miles, walks 31 miles to go to Cornelius' house, a Roman centurion, a Gentile, the enemy. And Rome was evil. They crucified people like Jesus. In fact, Peter and John were both martyred for their faith. Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified in the same form as Jesus. So this, it was still pretty scary. I mean, he was going into foreign territory. But in Acts 10 too, we see that this centurion was a God-fearing man. His family, they were devout and God-fearing. So he could have made the statement, well, man, all Roman soldiers are alike. They're all mean and cruel. They love crucifying people. All Gentiles are alike. They, they hate Jews. I'm not going there. No way. And he probably had to ask the question, are all soldiers alike? Are all police alike? Are all black people alike? Are all white people alike? No. No. Are there bad people in every category? Yes. Is there prejudice in every category? Yes. Does defunding the police make sense? No. 
Come on. You don't categorize one group based on some bad apples, right? Is that not a form of racism? <laughs> it's everywhere. And we're called to stand against it, to be bridge builders. So Peter risked ridicule and rejection by his own people to go to Cornelius' house. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you had a person of a different color in your home? Or went out to eat with them back when we could go out to eat at places, remember? Or posted pictures on Facebook with your vacation with a black family or Hispanic family or an Italian family or Chinese family. When's the last time you took a step to build a bridge? It takes more than words. It requires action. Look at chapter 11 of verse, verse 1 through 4. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of the uncircumcised men and ate with them? Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. So I can listen, I can learn, I can love, and I can also lead. If you're a Christ follower, you are a leader. God has called you to lead against the status quo, against the norm, to lead. To lead what is not necessarily popular, may not win you friends and influence, but it's the right thing to do. Peter took this relationship that he had with Cornelius from a friendship to being an advocate, to stand in the courts to speak that, yes, God loves Gentiles. And out of that, it birthed the gospel being spread to the Gentiles and ultimately being spread to the world. This was a significant relationship. This is one of the reasons God orchestrated it. It wasn't just for the moment. It was for eternity. So Peter took action. He didn't just tell those Gentiles that he loved them. He told the world. And he told the world that God sent Jesus for them as well. So here are some actions we can take. Actions are more important than feelings. First of all, respect others. Respect everyone. Inclusion is a key word, that we include all people. We're not excluding anyone. That we promote equity. Truly seeing all people as created in the image of God. That we listen. That we take action. That we stand up for those who can't stand for themselves, that we speak out for those who've experienced injustice. You know, just across the street you know, a month or so ago, we had a protest, got a lot of chatter about that whole deal. It was happening right across the street from our church. In protest, we can protest, you know, we can do all those kind of things. In our country, we're allowed to do that. And they're great for awareness, perhaps, as long as they're not violent and, and, you know, they're speaking their thoughts. But that goes so far. But we can write. We can vote. We can petition. We can stand. Take action. Beyond awareness, to actually do something. To make sure that we are 
taking action. You've heard silence is golden. In this case, silence is yellow, which means cowardly. If you're not willing to step up and speak up against those who are treated unfairly regardless of who it is, the poor, then you're just a coward. It's not enough to know that just to know this stuff happens. And people say, well, I don't know any black people. I don't, I don't know any people. I only know white people. Well, that's a shame <laughs> to hear that. Or I didn't grow up with this. Or I, This is new to me. I've never experienced this. I don't, I've never been involved in racism. That really doesn't matter <laughs> because it's a reality that we've been called to stand up against. If you're aware of it, know that it happens. It may not be at your front door, but it exists, and we cannot stay silent on this. We can't stick our heads in the sand on this issue. Colossians 3.1, in Christ there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Do you believe that? It's not just enough just to say, hey, I'm not a racist. Hey, I like black people. We have to do something about this. We have been called to be ministers of reconciliation. If you follow Jesus, God has reconciled you to himself through the death and resurrection of his son, and he's called you to be a minister of reconciliation in whatever situation he's put you in. We're called to reconcile. Again, soon after Peter began this relationship, the gospel went out, the Gentiles went out to the world. So again, back to that question, what can I do? And we can blame racism on all kinds of issues, but the bottom line is it is a sin issue. Racism is sin. To judge a person by the color of their skin is wrong. It's sin. And it's really this systemic sin that is at the root of all of America's problems. We are in a battle, guys. A battle of good against evil, right against wrong. And the truth is, even if you're not directly involved in it, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. If it exists, it threatens our own justice. We can't hide from this one. For one, because the gospel is a message of reconciliation. We are people of the gospel, people of the word. It's an important message to us as a church because if we are apathetic towards culture and what people are going through and how people are suffering around us, why would we expect the culture not to be apathetic about the church? If we're not willing to stand for anything, why would he expect anyone to listen to our message? My prayer is that God will use First Burleson to root out racism in our community, that he would start with us. It may not make us very popular. You may lose friends over that. You may use, lose business, relationships. But if we're not going to stand for what's right, who is? 
So here's the challenge I have for us. Just to start a conversation. Have a conversation with someone of a different skin color than you. Let's just start there. We can do that, right? If you say, well, I don't know any, I will introduce you to some. Let's do something, huh? Let's pray. Father God, we know that your heart breaks because of our sin. And I pray today that, Lord, as we're all kind of confronted with this issue, that First of all, we just be real and honest. Hey, th- yeah, this is an issue for me. This issue from my past, or this is the way I was raised, or that's the culture I grew up in, that there was great prejudice between whites and blacks, or whites and browns, or whatever. And we just own it. But God realized the need to confess and repent. Maybe it just starts with a belief that Jesus didn't just die for white people. But Lord, help us to know it's not just enough to accept this truth and to talk to other white people about it. It's time to do something. To let people that not, people of different races understand and know that not all white people think of them negatively. Not all white people judge them because of the color of their skin. But because we have been born again in Jesus Christ, we love beyond any barrier that exists. And we are willing to take that step to build a bridge to other communities. Just use us, God, to do your heart. To share your message of love, reconciliation, if there's a way we can vote, if there's a way we can write, if there's a way we can petition, if we can do something constructively and peacefully, God, show us that route that we can make a difference. And maybe it just starts with going down the street to that family that doesn't look like us and just saying, hey, my name's Ronnie Marriott. I'd love to get to know you. Why don't you come over to the house? Let's share a meal together. I want you to meet my family. I want to hear your story. Maybe it's just that simple. God, let us do it. Motivate us to do it. Convict us to do it. May we no longer be guilty of prejudice in any form. But we can't do it without your power. And it's in that power that we pray and we make these requests, the power of Jesus. Amen.